Welcome to the Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast, where we will discuss how to defer taxes on the sale of your property, earning passive real estate income, and everything you need to know to go from active investor to passive investor. Join us as we interview passive investment sponsors, explore the journey of other retiring real estate investors, and share our due diligence process we perform to select passive investments. Investment advisory services provided by Insight Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This podcast is only intended for clients and interested investors residing in the states in which we are registered to provide investment advisory services or exempt from registration. Please contact us to determine if the firm provides investment advisory services in the state where you reside. All content on this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Material presented is believed to be reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. Insight Investment Advisors LLC and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing herein should be construed as such. Always consult with your tax advisor or attorney regarding your specific circumstances. Hello and welcome to the Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Bruckman, also with our host, Josh Wright. Josh, how are you? Hey there. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's Blue Shirt Day here on the Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast, in case you didn't get the memo. What are we talking about today? We are continuing our DST Megacast, and today's topic is about DST sponsors. So let me set this up a little bit. Very often when we start the conversation, we talk about what a DST was. We talked about advantages, disadvantages, why we use them. Um but what we didn't talk about is a sponsor. And so I think a lot of the misconception that we get, we were initially talking to clients is they assume that you and I are doing these real estate deals. There, there are DSTs, but that's not the case. Uh, no, that's a big no, no in our industry <laughs> and a little bit of a conflict of interest. No, we are definitely not doing the deals. And so who are those people called? Well, we call them who are these folks putting these deals together we call them sponsors in this industry and space. They're called, they're called sponsors or the company that really organizes the structure of the DST is buying the property, um, is, is turning around and offering interest to investors in that particular deal. Um, Josh, tell me about how you sort of describe what a sponsor is to our clients. Yeah. Sponsors, very confusing to clients. When you, when you, we say it all the time as part of our normal nomenclature, but when you say DST sponsor or real estate sponsor to a client, they're looking at you like, you know, what the hell are you talking about? You know, sponsor is just the real estate firm that's putting the deal together. And I think that's the best way to think about it. I tell clients it's the real estate shop. They're structuring the deal. They're finding the deal. They're bringing it to two investors. We are sitting between that real estate sponsor and our client, analyzing the deals, doing due diligence, figuring out what is best for our client, and then approving or not approving those deals. Spot on. And we talk a lot about how important the deal is and us understanding the deal. And we'll have another episode where we'll dive into our due diligence process and understanding that real estate in the DST but equally important is understanding, understanding the sponsor. So Josh, what are some of the things we're looking for, looking at in, in a sponsor? Well, first and foremost, we want to start with a track record. We want to verify they're, they're a legit company. We want to see deals they've done. We want to see how they look at deals, how they do due diligence, 
what are their goals and objectives in a deal. Um, and that's a great place to start. Yeah. And the, the nice thing about analyzing that track record is inside of the offering documents for that particular DST usually is a complete track record for that sponsor. It's complete for the DSTs that they brought to market and then subsequently sold. So we can start to see the track record of, of those deals completed also deals in progress. And for, for the better sponsors, we see notes and commentary on deals that, you know, may not have gone up to expectations or may not have worked out the way they wanted to. So it's a, it's a beautiful place for us to kind of do that work and to understand, okay, you know, there may be some deals that, that didn't go well. Uh, when you do 200, 300, 400 different real estate transactions, it would be nice if everything went well all the time, but sort of law of numbers there, like everything isn't probably going to go perfect every time we're doing something. So it's good to understand what went wrong there and then the subsequent corrective action that, that can take place. And then it also feeds into a lot of what, you know, we're telling folks from a due diligence perspective, a lot of the deals we've seen go bad have, you know, macroeconomic headwinds that steamrolled some of these deals. And there's really like, there's nothing you can do about it. So it's a good learning for us to be aware of what macroeconomic trends are coming down the pipeline and realize however good the deal is, however good the sponsor is, can you really beat back something like an Amazon effect on some of these retail shops? Probably not. COVID in office, right? Is office ever going to come back to 100% occupancy um, that, that we saw in, you know, 10 years ago? No, probably not, right? I mean, it's just trends we can't can't sort of be back. You can learn a lot about sponsors by looking at, I agree with you in those old deals, former deals, even the current deals. When you look at a pro forma, kind of that edge, that estimated budget, if you will, and the assumptions that they use in the current deals they have and the past deals, you start to get, to get a feel for how these people think. How do they look at a deal? I think there's a lot to learn about how we get comfortable with the sponsor and the way they view a deal. Sometimes there's a mismatch right there in the beginning of how they look at real estate versus how we look at real estate or how our client, you know, maybe, maybe even tie that to our common client goals. Sometimes we see sponsor deals and we get to know a sponsor and there's nothing wrong with the sponsor. They just tend to do deals that don't fit very well for our clients. You know, it's not good or bad, but it helps us narrow them down. Yeah, exactly. And when we look at the space, um, Josh, I believe there's 40, still 40 active DST sponsors here. Some come, some go. Um, but that top tier of, of active DST sponsors sort of remains through the good and bad times. And that feels like sort of a 20, 80 rule where, you know, 80% of the volume is going to 20% of the participants or even more top heavy than, than that in terms of volume. Yeah, very common. The you know we we like to talk about history through a period of time like 2008, for example, mm -hmm. where you could see 50, 55 sponsors in the space pre 2008 and post 2008, you see six to eight, something like that. And I think there's often some misconceptions about that. People think those deals blew up, and that doesn't mean a deal actually blew up. We're just talking about sponsors in the space, so. You know, I think when, when the DSC marketplace is hot, 
or the 1031 marketplace is hot, you see a lot of real estate firms or sponsors who maybe weren't in the DST space, for example, maybe they were only doing private deals or tenant common structure deals, all of a sudden jump into the DST space because there's a lot of demand. And then oftentimes you will see them leave the space when times are tougher, but those top five, top seven, top eight sponsors out there, they seem to just be there through thick and thin. And there's good reasons for that. Yeah, it seems like there's a commitment from the top level sponsors to be active and present in this space. It's their business and they're going to be here. Whereas, you know, we there is some fly by night sort of sponsors, we'll put it that way, that, you know, when this industry is cranky and there's a lot of $9 billion or so went through the DST marketplace last year, 2022, that will not be the case in 2023, as we've seen commercial volumes drop substantially. So unequivocally, we'll see some sponsors leave the space and some come, some go based on the economic condition of the space. Others are here for the long haul. Um, Josh, any preference there on sponsor longevity that that you have or that your client, you see clients have? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I definitely would not throw a sponsor out just because they haven't been around for a long time. You know, there, there's... It's like anything, you know, those those top, let's say, five to seven sponsors might have a lot of deals that look very, very similar. And if you need to find something different or you or frankly, if you're just not seeing deals that are attractive and you really need to expand the breadth of deals that we have available to clients, it can benefit us to really connect with smaller sponsors. Maybe those smaller sponsors just don't have a huge marketing arm, frankly. Um, so I definitely wouldn't throw a sponsor out because of size. However, there is some um, some benefit, I guess I would say, to that sponsor's track record through those hard times and seeing them last and have longevity as well. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, we we try to look at all deals on their own merits, each sponsor on their own merits, um, and definitely wouldn't throw them out just because they haven't been around, you know, for a long time or in the top five to seven. But um, you, you've got to look at every deal. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a bunch of things that we're looking at in each deal, and and I almost we almost weight those out equally between deal and sponsor, and track record, and maybe not having an extensive DST track record. Well, we'll start to lean on their real estate track record and background, mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, when we talk about DST, and we talked about in previous episodes, it's a wrapper around real estate, and so if we can find somebody who can acquire and operate great real estate. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with your ability to understand that. With that mm -hmm. said, I think there is some value though in having an experienced DST sponsor, especially when things may not go right. Um, they have the experience yeah. and the wherewithal to stick to it and to make certain expenditures beyond what they promised in the offering docs to keep that deal running and to keep that deal afloat. And they have the expertise to do that. So we watched that happen in real time on a, on a couple of different deals. Um, we've got mm -hmm. experienced sponsors do really great stuff, uh, to keep investors whole and to make investors, yeah, I, I, can uh, think of, I can think of two scenarios where we've dealt with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I can think of one scenario where we have a smaller sponsor that has a really great track record. It's been around for 30 plus years, but they almost never do DSTs one just in the recent five years, let's say maybe one deal a year, occasionally two. Well, we definitely wouldn't throw them out. They have a great track record. We just need to make sure that they understand DST, number one, the structure, and then 
obviously still, you know, do our due diligence on the deal and, and be comfortable with the deal. And that's great. On the flip side, I have seen DSTs and I know, you know, uh, similar deals that I'm going to refer to where you had sponsors who had done a lot of business in private deals come to the DST space, put together a DST in our due diligence process. We talk to them and it becomes apparent they don't understand the DST structure at all. Mm -hmm. And that's a red flag. And we've seen deals have real problems because of that, particularly in times of, of stress. So, you know, it, yeah, you've got to, you've got to weight all those areas equally. Experience is a preference, not an eliminator, I guess is our big takeaway there on the sponsor front. Um, you, you do, you have to know and understand the DST structure and what to do and the steps to take when things go wrong. Um, as rare as that may be in the transactions that we see, um, it can happen and you gotta make sure you're, you're sort of ready. Uh, anything else on sponsors? Uh, I don't wanna belabor the point. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty simple thing to think about, but it's really important and then the terminology gets a little weird for folks. So if we could help them understand that, um, just how this works and that there is a third party here to sponsor, anything else you'd add? Um, you know, one interesting thing that we could think about on sponsors that came up for us in the last few years is to think about the size of the sponsor, but how they're structured, meaning sponsors have to acquire property close on it before they can put it in the DST and offer it to the public. Mm -hmm. So if you think through these worst case or, or tight or rough real estate market scenarios, if they have a lot of DST product on their shelf and they haven't sold it, mm -hmm. they're holding that on their books. Um, this is something that pops up with sponsors. And this is something we look into when we look at a sponsor. Hey, if we walk through this worst case scenario, if you have you know, $500 million of equity and deals out there not placed and the market pulls back and you're stuck holding that. Can you hold it? Mm -hmm. um, it's an interesting thing to think about with the sponsor. It's not something we see all the time, but again, that can play into a sponsor decision. It's a great point because some of the sponsors we look at are large and they can carry this real estate on their balance sheet using their own funds. Most are not. And so those that are not are using and utilizing bridge financing when they can inherently bridge financing is a short term and B as we've seen stress in, in financial markets, particularly banks, you're seeing tighter lending conditions and you're seeing much higher rates. So the cost of holding that real estate has gone up and yes, it can be very problematic if we get to the end of a bridge period and there's lots of, as you said, there's lots of deals on the shelf. This could be a huge problem for a sponsor and how they would work through that. So yeah, it is something that we're actively, looking at our due diligence process and monitoring is who has what that needs equity at this point, uh, a problem that we didn't have, you know, two years ago, where DSTs are flying off the shelves faster than you could assemble them. Gone gone the other way. This markets have gotten more difficult. Volume has gone down. This could be very trying for folks. So yeah, it's something that I think we need to be very, very conscious of. Again, there's a preference here for sponsors that can hold DST and balance sheet and don't need to utilize bridge financing, not an eliminator, but boy, it, uh, we can drop some really weird, like doomsday scenarios. I think we spend a lot of time thinking about the worst thing that can happen often. Right. And, and as soon as you bring in bridge debt, short-term bridge debt, you open up the possibilities of some weird, weird stuff happening. Yeah. Again, not good or bad. 
just need to have that discussion, you know, in, in, in case by case. That was a good ad. Good ad for sponsors to be concerned about some of those aspects. So big takeaways again, sponsors put DST de deals together, not Josh and Brandon. We can't do that. Conflict of interest. DST sponsors, super important. Track record experience, how they're structured and funded. And uh, it's just as important as the deal is understanding we've got good people. They're operating this is a passive investment, right? So we need great people operating great properties and doing awesome stuff. Each are important, each are equally important to make sure things go well. So awesome. That's sponsors. So I'm glad that hope that makes more sense for folks on, on sponsors. Uh, next one, who knows what we might do, but I think we're going to talk about exiting. So we're going to talk about what happens when the deal's done. What do we do? It's a common question. So we'll address that in the next one. Josh, thank you for talking about sponsors. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.